1: Good morning, Ned. Ciao,
2: Davide. Where are you? Well, I'm still at the Giro d'Italia. Yeah, I know that, but I mean, where are you? Oh, okay, sono ancora in Torino nella mia piccola camera con tema Fiat 500.
1: Overly ambitious attempt to never stray far, far from the daily goings-on of this year's Giro d'Italia, Ned Bolting and I will be speaking every morning to recap the goings-on of the day before. I'm David Miller, and I'll be hosting this show from the comfort of my home in Girona. And I'm Ned Bolting, and I don't know where I am. Ned, how is Turin on race day?
2: Oh Well, I, I can't speak. It would be f- wrong, really, to speak for an entire Italian city. I mean, I can't speak on the. I can't, I can't speak on behalf of everybody
1: who lives in, the this is, in. This is going to be good, is it?
2: But I can. I can speak for myself, David. And you know, you've known me long enough to know that I'm quite excited.
1: <laughs> I'm still excited. <laughs> no, like waking me up before seven o'clock for this. Excited, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. I love it. I know. Uh, let's uh, ride.
2: Let's ride the crest of the wave while it lasts. I'm, I'm so excited that. And bear in mind as well. I think my excitement is compounded by the fact that um, I was supposed to come to the Giro d'Italia last year, but because it overlapped with the Vuelta because of the strange season, I, I couldn't do it. So I lost the opportunity to come here. And also bear in mind that we didn't go to France for the Tour de France last year. So I, I haven't kind of been on a grand tour on the ground for too long really so um so that's why i'm excited and my excited excitement this morning has expressed itself in um i normally so i I should explain really i'm commentating for what's called the world feed i think i've explained this in the past but just in case you're not sure so i I actually work for the giro d'italia and they if you like they sell my commentary along with matt stevens who is my co-commentator across all these english-speaking territories in the world not in the uk funnily enough so my i'm being employed by RCS, who own the Giro d'Italia, and because of that, David, this will, this will amuse you. I um, w- when I when I arrive and do the Giro d'Italia for them, I am given on arrival three enormous plastic bags full of um, navigare, which is I a I was going to say Ita- Navi- navigare clothing, like RCS branded merch. clothing, all with the hashtags all over it, amore infinito, and all this That's sort of lame. things. It's so Italian and oh, it's um, horrible. And then what begins is a, a kind of silent, unspoken battle between me and uh, my RCS employers as to whether or not I ever put any of it on.
1: <laughs> Unlike Matt Randall.
2: <laughs> Who's just... Matt He's just, just, wearing just, it. Matt just t- t- takes it as an opportunity to throw away all his old clothing and just—and <laughs> for the next year, all he'll wear is Amori Infinito clothing. Um, but as you can see, I've, look, I'm so excited. I oh, actually, look at
1: that. That's, I mean, that's, it's, it's not bad. It.
2: The, this is the most acceptable of all of them. The, the, uh, the, the, Harvey wants uh, the, to see it. Come and see. <laughs> what I'm now showing to David on Zoom is a, a, a relatively restrained navy blue T-shirt with yes. Giro d'Italia and Amore Infinito on the, on the front. And, um, it's a
1: little bit considered. You know, it's a little bit like, considered.
2: It's not crazy. It's not totally crazy. The item of clothing I think I'm going to balk at is a sleeveless, padded, oh. r- rather metallic finish
1: kind of gilet. That just rings but, Giro d'Italia for me. I can just so, picture it now. Then we'll scurrying around with grease. so hair. Giro. Yeah. Oh, awesome. <laughs> it's true, though, isn't it? They're all just kitted up in, like, their chinos and hair slicked back and shiny gilets. Used to be the old aeronautica stuff, didn't it? Yeah, oh. uh,
2: aeronautica militare, or was it? Or? That was it. That was yeah.
1: so the least military stuff you've ever seen unless you're going to uh, I'm not going to go there but um no,
2: yeah. no probably probably not <laughs> probably best not no. um, so that's uh, that's but the yeah, level so, so of my
1: excitement yeah so your excitement went to the degree of you actually running the TT course yesterday am I right yes um, it turned out to be quite a
2: long run because I had to I had to get to the start I had to run to the start which was three kilometres across town um, I found the start and then I, I I ran the course and it was extremely uh, hot <laughs> and I was extreme, I, I I was extremely slow and it was an extremely beautiful course and um, it couldn't be more kind of t- chocolate box touristy. It's going to be very beautiful. Um, you know I think we've got quite familiar with happened in France didn't it a couple of times and uh, it's happened in Milan during covid that actually the city authorities have have tended to want the races to kind of leave the city center so that they don't attract the big crowds and it doesn't kind of but actually turin's just gone Do you know what in for a penny in for a pound let's um let's let's ram the race right the way through the center of this uh, really rather beautiful city so it leaves from if anyone knows uh, turin it leaves from the piazza castello which is a really kind of a central point in the middle of Turin. There is an old castle in the in the middle of the, the city, which has a very interesting history, by the way, that I didn't realise, some of it. Um, and then it goes past the uh, Giardini Reali, which is this little park in the middle of town, down the Corso San Maurizio to join uh, the, what would it be, the uh, northern embankment of the river Po, the Lungo Po. And then it gets very straight. So that's about, you're about a kilometre into the race then. And then you've got um, another two and a half, three kilometres, which are just straight along the river, uh, passing through uh, the Parco del Valentino that I talked about yesterday, where we had the, um, the team presentation the, um, on Thursday night. Uh, then it kind of wiggles around a bit to get onto... And then the first technical section, it's not really that technical, as it just wiggles around through a slip road to get onto a river called the Ponte Principessa Isabella, crosses there and... Um, Goes uh, then along the Corso Moncalieri, which is the embankment on the other side, on the south side of the river, in the opposite direction, and then that you've got three and a half kilometres straight to the finish. Um, Eight point so six kilometres in total. I think it's a. You, you, I don't know if you've managed to look at the profile or anything,
1: David, but I think it's, it's a super fast. It's just a Ghana, a Ghana destruction.
2: It looks like it, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks Thank like
1: Cavagna's going pretty well, isn't he? I'd say the interesting one tomorrow is going to be. Um, Everpool. I mean, I'm going to say that every single day, but it's true because it's his first race back and it's a uh, it's proper. It's going to be. Have you,
2: have you seen who goes off a minute after
1: Remco Evelyn oh, No, I haven't.
2: Filippo Ganna. Oh. <laughs> so that's... they'll be on the road at the same
1: time, which will be pretty. <laughs> that'll be pretty oh, amazing. Oh, that will be good. Oh, well, that's nice. What else about Turin? Because I don't really know much about Turin. I know there's a velodrome there, isn't there? Or used to be. There is. There is an a old beautiful. velodrome. Now, what's it called? I've, uh, um, we've, we've had kind this of discussion, discussion before, haven't we? Um, yes,
2: and I think you had a bit of kind of additional information, or, or you remembered it. Having I think I you raced read it. It there once. Raced
1: it because Milan Turin, which is like one of the oldest kind of semi-classics, if you like, used to finish in the velodrome. Um, that's it. It's the Motto Velodromo Fausto Copi Is that correct? It?
2: That's it. Yeah. That's it.
1: Yes. Yeah. And it's kind of falling to pieces because it's where he did the hour record. Hence why it's named after him. I think. I believe. But it's a beautiful old... It was, I think it's, what, 100 and... It was built in the late 1800s, I believe. Um, And it's just a beautiful old velodrome. But I think it's just fallen into disrepair of late. I think it was Matt Rendell that told us it had fallen into disrepair. He'd gone and looked around. No, it was me. It It was 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 me, actually.
2: It 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 dates back from the last time I came and commentated on the Giro d'Italia. 2016, the the final stage, stage 21, finished... um, not in in the velodrome because as you say it was kind of crumbling but just up the road from the velodrome and um in the morning i just strolled down to go and have a look at it and i, I kind of um, I, I kind of i don't want say broke in because there, I wasn't kind of stealing over fences but i just mm. kind of wandered in and there was some sort of car boot sale or something going on in the middle and it's rather sad because all the concrete off the embankments it's open air velodrome quite big sort of 450 500 meters possibly round mm. um was kind of crumbling. And I got talking to a few of the people from the velodrome who were saying that they were trying to organise a local committee to to raise funds to to get it restored. So at that time I was quite heavily involved or starting to get quite heavily involved in Hearn Hill Velodrome in London, which had just kind of done just that and yeah. uh you know raised the funds to have the, the it resurfaced and redeveloped so i don't know what the, that's a very good question i must try and find yeah. out if they ever to find it
1: out. it's it's beautiful ever- i recommend people going on to google and looking it up because it's um it's got some beautiful entrance architecture and all very classic it's yeah it's an amazing place it's sad that it's falling to pieces if that's the case but um but yeah Turin. But yes, yeah, so Milan Turin used to finish there and it used to have these climbers and come into there and it was, a, it was one of the funniest sprints in cycling because you'd have a bunch of climbers trying to sprint in a velodrome and you'd uh, never really <laughs> been in the velodrome before. It was just a comedy of errors. <laughs> so you either had to be on your own or, or risk death amongst ten climbers trying to sprint for the finish. Oh, but, uh, brilliant. Yeah, Were you yeah. ever
2: involved in the... Did you ever get involved uh, yeah, in, the, sprint in the final? I
1: for second, I think, in a group of like nine. But I was as bad wow. as everybody else. And, um, I thought I was going to dominate it and then realised I'd never sprinted on a velodrome either. Um, so I joined the ranks of useless climbers on a velodrome.
2: Like, oh yeah, like, that's um, my story. Like a rubbish version of Philippe Gilbert when he won Paris-Roubaix the other year and he'd never sprinted on a velodrome before.
1: About as far removed from Philippe Gilbert as <laughs> possible. <laughs> yeah, very well. Very well, very good. And um, so what else is going on over Go, there? Is there any scoops? Uh, well,
2: but let's... Well, the scoop is um the scoop is 100 160 years ago Italy was unified. And um yeah, that's that's um that's the oh. scoop. The, kingdom, the the first kingdom of Italy was declared. Um and the first king ascended to the throne, who is of course King Victor Emmanuel II, um which is why, you know, a bit like in in France as we often comment David, everything is either uh, uh, Place Georges Clemenceau or uh, Avenue Jean Jaurès. Well, uh, Vittorio Emanuele is, is one of the names you just see everywhere in um, in Italy. The first king of Italy and the first capital city of Italy was Turin. Oh, I did not know that. Uh, I didn't know that until I kind of started scratching around with its history, but it was only quite brief. And the reason it wasn't Rome initially that was declared the capital city was because Rome still, I think I've got this right, belonged to the papal states, uh, obviously the seat of the Vatican and everything. And yeah. it, took, it took some time, I think decades before um, Rome was eventually declared the Italian capital. Um, hmm. And in the mi- meantime, actually, Turin was only the capital city for a relatively few years Um, Three years after 1861, so in 1864, I alluded to this yesterday, they had a big exhibition there to kind of declare Turin's importance as the the new capital city, the new state. But not long after that, um, they moved the capital from Turin to Florence because, um, for a couple of reasons, really, because I think Florentine Italian... Uh, was considered a higher kind of cast of of mm-hmm. the spoken language and the written language, um, and also Turin's just a little bit too uncomfortably close to France, um, yeah. <laughs> geographically, uh, and uh, you know France. And it was far from stable, was it? The, the kind of Franco-Italian uh, border. So, yeah. so that's that. Yeah, there's a bit of there's a bit of Turin for you
1: yeah forty five
2: forty five stage starts in Turin and forty finishes down the years so very much a big part of the Giro d'Italia
1: what is um what are we looking at this first week that we we went briefly on it yesterday, but regards the kind of actual roots of this race and and who are the who are the people to look for this first week do you reckon
2: ah oh, well i've got a ah now say' so, glad you've asked me that because i've got with that in mind i've got a slight little kind of um, shrewdy dark horse outsider for today's time trial or just one to watch i don't think for a second he's going to win it um but i do think he's a rider worth keeping an eye on although his form hasn't been visible so far this year but looking at the ef education nippo team rider 107 i think's of interest and that's alberto bettiol
1: Ooh, he hasn't uh,
2: quite start to the year hasn't he I think he has, yeah. Which probably blows <laughs> blows a massive hole in, in what I've just said. Um, but the winner of the Tour of Flanders from two years ago, um, yeah, he's got I, something to prove. I think he's um, uh, on his day. I think he's a really good time trialist. And the year that he went on to win Flanders, he finished on the podium. It didn't even, actually. Did he win it? He came very close to winning um, the final time trial of. Uh, Tirreno Adriatico, which, as you know, is not dissimilar to oh, this time I think trial. You're
1: right? Yeah, I think you're right. And I think he podium.
2: Oh. Yeah, certainly, a, certainly a podium. I, he might have even won it. Um, and um, he beat Rowan Dennis uh, and one, and one or two others on that occasion, and then went on to win the Tour of Flanders. Um, now, I don't think he's going to win this, but um, I think it's. It, it, Riders like him and another rider we can talk about. You might be able to guess who. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's of importance to them that they uh, don't lose. You know they're close. Mm. That they're pretty close because of what's to come on stage uh, uh, on the f- in the first week of racing and the possibility of getting the jersey.
1: Mind you, has um, no slouch on the climbs after the World last year, so it's going to be. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. Bettiol has got something to prove. And in Italy because he's also got that little bit of a problem with the, like, La Gazzetta and stuff wasn't that his statement when he won Flanders last year that he uh, was uh, yeah he was just yeah. annoyed that the Italian press didn't affect him or recognise him so yeah it, it, what was his celebration wasn't it a bit like told you know shush wasn't it like yeah sh- was it shush or kind of his eyes pointed his eyes and shush I can't remember it was something a bit weird but it was a bit petulant and angry you know, someone else won. did that who did that the other day
2: oh um Ha ah, ha! Mark Soler, who, who won't did win he? the Giro, who won't win the Giro because no, he doesn't have Giro. the won't win yeah. the Giro because he doesn't have the temperaments to win a Grand Tour. Um, no, he won that. He brilliantly won that stage at the Tour de Romandie last week, didn't he? And he did the old shush, shush over the line to all to all all his doubters, all his doubters, David. To me, basically. <laughs> to you. So you've just taken it on board. Yeah. <laughs> I've just just, just cranked the doubt up to ten. <laughs> Poor Mark. Um, um yeah so so today's the time trial tomorrow oh by the way i don't want to dwell too much on tomorrow because we can talk about tomorrow tomorrow but just a little heads up the stage starts tomorrow and by the way they're showing on the television all of every stage oh they're not you poor bugger oh, thank you no commercial breaks either <laughs> oh <sighs> yeah uh, okay. um you really I, I went to everything i went out and bought a kettle yeah. from a shop with that in mind so we're going to have we're going to have tea and I've taken some Yorkshire tea bags with me to, to the Giro d'Italia um no tomorrow's stage start is absolutely stunningly beautiful um oh, but it? I won't talk about that now because i am not going to tell you now can't hey, tell you it
1: save it we've got, got a I'll lot save to get it. through
2: every day I'll save it no tomorrow's 179k and it's very flat and it kind of runs along the um Uh, It runs actually northeast kind of weirdly. we go back into um, sort of deeper into Piedmont before eventually the the race brings us south. Um, Stage three is one of those, and straight away, it's one of those kind of beautiful, ooh, really hard to read kind of um, Giro stages that you'd you'd associate with Terreno Adriatico, where you get a little kind of a couple of kickers right. Kickers. Kickers, David. Nice kickers. T- Two-kilometre two climb in the final 5k, um, and it, it's got a 15% section in that. So kind of perfect, yeah. um, indeterminate territory there, which will probably shell a few of the heavier
1: sprinters out. That's got, that's got um, Remco, Remco attacking from 50ks out all over at that stage. Or Soler. Or Soler. Yeah, I mean, he's got nothing to lose. He's, he's, got, he's already lost it, so he may as well go. Um, next stage <laughs> then you got the first summit finish on stage 4 yeah well it's yeah
2: it is, it is. Summit I've, finish.
1: I've I've, I've coloured summit. it in
2: as a GC day I've kind of yeah. put a little pink I've put a pink highlighter thing but it may not turn out to be that way it it's kind of slightly betwixt and between isn't it it's yeah, very it's,
1: early for it's 4 cases 10% they're saying that final Yeah that's time. not that's, that's not nothing is it no that's not lame that's um <laughs> That's, I mean, that's really, really hard For 95% of the peloton So that's going to be really fla- interesting It
2: flattens out, doesn't it? There's a two-kilometre yeah. plateau sort of thing But uh, that's neither here nor there um...
1: 4Ks of 10% <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that true chest- That old chestnut
2: But I don't uh, know whether to call that a summit finish No, okay, I'd call yeah. that an up- uphill finish, isn't it? Okay, an uphill
1: finish Is that all right? Are we happy? That's fine, I'm happy with that That's cool It's very important
2: to me, these things, David They may seem like kind of Trivial details, but yeah. w- the, w- before a grand tour gets underway, if you're commentating on it, there is—it's—it's it's such a strange phenomenon. There is too much. Information that you could possibly, uh, you know, draw together and assimilate from yeah. the ascent of King Victor Emmanuel II in 1861 to Alberto Bettiol's current form to whether or not Stage Four ends in a summit finish. Oh. It's like trying to it's like trying to fill up an entire bath using a, a sieve. You know, to trans- <laughs> it, honestly, it's so it's so difficult. But then, actually, strangely, when the race gets underway, the detail that is relevant kind of comes out into three-dimensional relief, doesn't it? And then you kind of sh- you kind of cast aside the the bits that don't matter so much. You, it's very strange, but at the moment it's... Sh- yeah, mm. it's shapeless at the moment. And but that's why is, I'm
1: panicking. Yeah, a lot of the time as well, even the riders do that. It's quite overwhelming to look at the whole race. You get there and then you start looking at it. Although you've had a glance over and you, you do know, obviously, if you're a GC going for the race of the win, you're doing record and everything. But generally, the riders just wait till they get there and take it... The, I know that it's become almost painful hearing it, but the day by day saying it's because it's the only way you can take it in because otherwise but, it's just overwhelming. <laughs> it's horrible. Did, 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 you,
2: did you approach a grand tour in that in that sense, in the same way that you sometimes approach commentating on a grand tour? <laughs> <laughs> Very much sure, just turning up. <laughs> you, know what, you know what I'm getting at here, where yeah, it's do. like no, you do, open I, the road yeah. book and you go, oh, something <laughs> fish." <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did. It's almost, I, actually, even in my younger days, I was like that. I'd just turn up, and I, you'd have a look, and I'd have picked out a couple of stages and had an overview of what what the race was going to be like. I'd give through time trials and where they were and what they were like and the hardest mountain stages and if there was one or two road stages. But often, I would turn up, and especially at the Vuelta, I'd just be looking through the book sitting on my bed like the night before going, ooh, this is quite hard. <laughs> and, that one will be okay. I better take it easy there. And yeah, but I mean, and, and to be frank back then, that's what most of us did because, you know, it was just, it kind of made it more fun. I think if you'd been looking at it for months before, you wouldn't turn up. You'd be like, nah, I'm not getting there. That looks ridiculous. Especially the yeah. Giro. The Giro's the yeah. worst for it as well. My first Giro was 2008 and I was just shocked Shocked and awed by how horribly difficult it was, um because yeah. I think we were averaging four thousand meters a day climbing most of the oh. time, and we I mean, had two six thousand meter back to back days <laughs> in the final week. I mean, it was just, yeah. I swore never to go back, and I did, and but then from that moment on for the gear I never looked at it. Just turned up and, and got it done. Oh, it was just, yeah, but yeah, but that, I think, and honestly, Ned, I think still a lot of riders do that. I think it's just it's just it's actually makes it more enjoyable and a bit more fun. Kind of where we're we going next, like the mystery race we used to talk about mystery distance. Yeah, Open the book, not knowing where you're going. Yeah, ah, oh, happy days. Yeah, like a kind so, of yeah.
2: like a like a like a racing advent calendar. <laughs> Open the door and what's the um <laughs> just... <laughs> terrible start for? I can't. I shouldn't. I probably shouldn't name him, so I'm not going to name him. But I got a message from a rider at the Giro quite late last night saying, n- not an ideal start to the Giro. My, a, a crown has just come off one of my teeth and I'm in the dentist's chair having emergency dental oh, repairing really? work. Yeah, oh. so that's, imagine, imagine that being your start to the Giro. <laughs> yeah, that's not um, good. That's not so good. I, I, pr- I should k- keep his identity... Confidential. Um, by now, we have left Piedmont and we are in Emilia Romagna as we head south. Stage five is flat again, opportunity for the sprinters, that's Wednesday. Then, uh, stage six on Thursday is a summit finish, uh, properly. Oh, that and is. This is Ascoli Piceno, right? 15.5 um, kilometre climb. Uh, and the final 5k are a proper climbing, they kind of 7, seven 8%. Hmm. They haven't
1: done uh, so it since that's a, what, 2002. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. not a familiar climb to me, I must admit. So, um, no, I, I don't know that one at all, but yeah, you're right, I, that classifies as a summit finish, Ned. I'll give you that.
2: Good uh, by now, we're going from Marche into Abruzzo, um, heading to the Adriatic coast. So, we've kind of done a diagonal, you know, southeastern uh, trajectory at this point. And there's a possibility, although you've discussed this in the past, David, it doesn't seem to affect the Giro, but. If, it, if it's going to affect the Giro, um, this is a day where potentially you could have some wind. Yeah,
1: I uh, mean, I'm i still trying to remember. I mean, you've watched more race in Italy of late. Uh, can you remember seeing Echelons no. in Italy? No. It's just, no. It just doesn't happen here. Weirdest no. thing. Oh, well, there you go. Can live in, can live in hope.
2: um then at the weekend so next weekend there are two gc days in a in in, in a row really um two i've (laughs) my notes here on stage seven which finishes at guardia san framondi 170k Uh, it's a three kilometer climb at the end that's about eight percent and i'd originally written in my notes summit finish but i'd crossed it out and Uphill finish
1: instead. So, <laughs> I love just, your just, classification system
2: Just so you know, and then on 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 um, stage nine um, Sunday, Campo Felice is another um, uphill finish.
1: Oh, you're six... that stretch isn't it, but yeah, okay. Okay, you going summit finish? Six point six k. Don't know. Okay. I mean, it looks because you've just come up at like a ten twelve k climb. Then you've got the little oh. descent. Then up another one. All, all right, let's. definitely get it. But both... I'll go uphill finish. Go on, then. That's fine.
2: I think it's definitely a GC day, though, Sunday, yes. I think, without a shadow of doubt. doubt. Um, partly because, and this makes stage 10, which is the final stage before the rest day, um, a real opportunity, I think, for the first breakaway. Oh, yeah,
1: almost especially na- with the climate or, at the beginning. Yeah, almost nailed
2: on to go um, yeah. to Foligno, which is, um, if you know, Foligno is in, uh, where, it's in Umbria, and it's an absolute um, feature of Tirreno-Adriatico, uh, which passes through that territory. Foligno always features one way or another in Tirreno-Adriatico. And, and there we go. We'll probably pause it there because yeah. that's, the, that's the end of the first block of racing. So 10, ten stages before a rest day.
1: 10! Just rattled by that. God, I hope Mark Soler's in the race at that point. That's going to be the... I'm just going to be tracking well, like, him uh, day by day now.
2: All depends on his temperament, doesn't it? <sighs> David.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's got no one's to against, and in the team this year, he's got outright leadership.
2: Oh, someone on Twitter told us what the word for a um, the two pronged fork was because there is a word.
1: Of course, there is. There's
2: but another. I can't remember what it was. I, I did read it somewhere. Um, a Abidant? Um, no, I, I can't
1: remember. Abidant. Brilliant. Yeah, but,
2: the, but this sometimes? is a, this is a mono. A monodent, isn't it, Mark Soler? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, some questions, because we did it, yeah. uh, put out a little appeal. I think we should make it a regular feature if people want to carry on asking us questions. Go on, you shoot yeah. or, you shoot, gonna, shoot with the first one, sh-
1: then. I'm going to choose a couple of Best books you've read recently. Do you want to start? Um, you start, because I've got to think, because I just caught me off.
2: Okay, so I, I have mentioned this on Twitter, so if you've been following my feed, it won't surprise you, but I've become very enamoured with uh, george orwell recently um and because i didn't because i you know like many people in 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 britain i kind of was introduced to orwell at school where you know you read animal farm and you dimly understand it when you're 14 years old and then and then you read 1984 after that and you kind of dimly understand that and it's all a bit Well, it is what it is. I mean, they're kind of important. They're important books, but they're not books that I've ever gone back to read. Um, And then my mum, who's a member of a book club, sent me after her book club had had done it. She said she sent me in the post her secondhand copy of Coming Up for Air, um, which is a novel about kind of suburban uh, misery (laughs) in the interwar years and Britain. And kind of Orwell has this very bleak take on on kind of metropolitan life and and um and i loved it and i thought it was amusing and subtle and and all these things that 1984 and kind of animal farm aren't i thought it was just a beautifully crafted very believable wonderful book and then then i started just going back through his oeuvre so to speak and at the moment i'm reading um keep the Aspidistras flying by george or which is not dissimilar actually to coming up for air and it's just surprising that some you know, I thought I knew all well and it turns out I don't really but... Um
1: That's amazing I got a, I actually did a, uh, order some books, you know sometimes you, you give books away, well like, I think we both do, and then you kind mm. of regret it and you're trying to find where they are I've got a brilliant book that I just got back again or two or three of them actually restocking my shelves, it's called Moondust and it's um, it's a biography, it's kind of mini biographies of the men that stood on the moon Um, kind of each one of their experiences, kind of a little bio before they got there, but more about what happens to them when they got back. And oh, each wow. one of them, and they were each chosen, obviously, in this 1950s, 60s. They're all test pilots, scientists, essentially atheists. Uh, they were almost kind of selected for that sort of, to avoid any spiritual issues, if you like. and um, and. just and, But what happened was every single one of them came back um, and either turned to, to religion or became very spiritual in one way or another. <clears throat> the only person who didn't admit it, never admitted it, was Neil Armstrong. Um, he never spoke about his experiences. But every single one of them came back and was a completely changed person. It's, it's an amazing book wow. because especially when you you put it in the context of what these men were like, they'd come out of the Second World War, Korean War, they were test pilots, they were hardcore scientists as well, and just really chosen for that that cold, calculated nature. And they all came back and were just totally the experience just changed their mind forever so i thought, I thought moon, that, that's m- moon, dust. Moon, moon dust
2: moon dust moon yes yeah. sounds, it's sounds a fabulous great.
1: book fabulous book and i'm reading another one which i can't remember at the moment it's on my kindle next to my bed but it's another sci-fi one i must have something in my head at the moment about space again we need to get john yeah. noonan back on but yeah. it comes in waves <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um yeah. but yeah so that's about where i am on books what other are the questions there are then James
2: Farmer asks, and I've adapted this question slightly um, just to simplify it and bring us both in. If you had to share a room uh, 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 on, on, on the tour, who would you prefer to share it with, Chris Boardman or Gary Imleck?
1: Oh, my God. Um,
2: can you imagine? I can,
1: no. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to go Chris. Every day of the week, it's Gary would be... Um, it would be you, yeah. you
2: wouldn't get any sleep with Gary you wouldn't get much sleep would you because you'd no, you'd, 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 you'd kind of like on. yeah two thirty in the morning you'd you'd peep an eye open and you'd see the light of his laptop in the corner and he'd be making notes he'd be working on the highlight scripts wouldn't he for the following day um, and um it would just be you know
1: it would, it would be, just be relentless the the, the pressure to know every, you were talking just before about the fact that there's so much information to absorb well, Gary actually knows
2: it. I, he doesn't use a sieve. He uses no. an actual saucepan to kind of, he's, you know... He's to,
1: phenomenal. So he'd just be up there yep. scouring, looking for information, trying to know yep. more. And, um, I'm, not saying, be...
2: I'm not saying that sharing a room with Chris Borman would be a cakewalk either. <laughs>
1: that would be a bit no. strange as well, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be very strange. I don't know. It would, I guess there's, there's a part of me that thinks, that, that would hope he'd just turn into chatty Chris. You know, just laying there, like little bedtime stories as he's just laying in the bed next to you, just chit-chatting away like a totally different human. But I don't think that would if happen. It... I don't no, think I... so would. I think just read his book and just disappear. It'd
2: be quite interesting to see how efficiently he went to sleep and how efficiently
1: he woke up. <laughs> how efficiently huh? he went to sleep? Oh. That would be so good. But speaking of that, but you know what, that's a good question because you'd always have that on Grand Tours. You'd always yeah. want to make sure you were with the right person. And some people were you roomed were kind of, with.
2: You roomed. This brings it back to the Giro. Let's let's not um, stray too far from from the Giro, David. You roomed with Ryder Hedgedahl when he won the Giro, right? Uh, no, no,
1: it wasn't. But I used oh, to room with Ryder. I did. I wasn't there, unfortunately.
2: Right oh, you weren't year. in that race? I was gutted.
1: Because okay. I swore oh, well. not to go back after the year before. But no, Ryder was. I think for a lot of us, actually, everyone wanted to room with Ryder because he was just so chilled out and funny, and yeah, there were some guys you definitely did not want to room with. But with Ryder, it was just hilarious. So people used to always fight for him. Bless him. Um, (laughs) Unless it's neurotic. But yeah. Yeah. What do you
2: think of, I can't remember who asked us this question. It landed last night. So apologies for not remembering your name, but it did stick in my memory. Um, I think someone's just asked us what, because we're recording really early in the morning. What Mm. have you had? What are you about to have for breakfast? Or what what, what have you had for breakfast, David, in in Girona? What a fascinating so, question, Ned. That's a good, good question, um, isn't it? Uh, it gives me an opportunity to talk about Italian breakfast. That's okay, really why that's I'm asking a,
1: I, Okay. To be honest, I don't really eat until a bit later. I have, like, common coffees for the kids, and then... The kids don't have coffee, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there with a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old <laughs> drinking espresso. Um <laughs> It's a great picture, doesn't it? Uh. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, and so I just get like a sandwich later on, actually quite, it's quite continental, isn't it? So it's going to get a sandwich from somewhere around 10 o'clock, like a, a ham sandwich. That's about yeah. it, really. Yeah. It's yeah, not like yeah. the, um, the beautiful spreads you get in Italy. Well, the, dry, the dry spreads.
2: I just, I mean, so Italian food is great. So we, a little, we, I think we used the phrase on yesterday's podcast, uh, Italy, uh, Overwhelms, but also can underwhelm. Yes. What is going on with their breakfasts? Right? Why do they just give up? So everything lunch is just a massive ritual, isn't it? And there's all sorts of stuff. Like that. Dinner obviously is kind of endlessly wonderful and all that sort of thing. Breakfast just, bah.
1: yeah. Who cares? I mean,
2: I mean, even the word. So the the word for ita- uh, breakfast in Italian is la colazione, the collection. It's just. It's whatever, isn't it? It's whatever. But it's dr- it's stale bits of cake. Oh, it's a boi- a boiled egg in a big sort of Pyrex bowl full of boiled eggs. Um, a yogurt. That, what, should we li- should we put it in the fridge? No, we'll just leave it out on no, the counter so it a gets nice, and, nice and warm. And then where it really lets itself
1: down is those bread rolls. Ah, <gasps> oh, they're just rock solid. Uh, just the I mean, driest every- thing. Spain used to have that like twenty thirty twenty years ago, and but they stopped doing it. You know, they got pretty good breakfast in, in Spain now. Amazing. France is pretty good. Germany's got amazing breakfast. UK is pretty special at breakfast. But it's yeah. interesting when you think about it, Anglo-Saxon countries. And perhaps this is where we've got it wrong. We kind of hit out hard at breakfast. And Massively. It's almost like the highlight, highlight of the day. Yeah. Whereas Italians, they're like, yeah, this sucks. Breakfast just the morning sucks. Let's just admit yeah. it. Let's just face it. The rest I of the day is going to get better. I'm right. just going to be pretty good. By the time we get to the evening, it's going to be amazing. No, I think you It just gets worse and worse we, and worse. <laughs> it's,
2: it's true
1: It's true. Like,
2: we we're, like, we're like Pierre <laughs> London on Outdoors.
1: Yeah, it's that. Imagine that. I'm like an Italian turning up and seeing like a full English like cooking food, like and yeah. like sausages and beans and hash browns, s- mushrooms, tomatoes out of a tin. And, oh. but they were just like, and it's just the same thing every place. They're like, what are you yeah. people? And it's like, <laughs> what do you have for lunch A sandwich? Go to print, and it's like, and then by the time you're like snacking, not really hungry for dinner, just been like <laughs> wasting the rest of the day, burning off breakfast, which was pretty crap to be honest. But I was so hungry, it was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, there's a logic to it. Ah, yeah,
2: very good. Oh, yeah, last last thing Pierre Rolland mm-hmm. won, won stage six of the Tour de Rwanda yesterday. Did he? Hey, listen, I saw pictures of Rwanda, yeah. it's
1: beautiful there, isn't it? Isn't it? It's like it's properly lush. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I need to look more into Rwanda. Oh, well done, That's Who does he write for now? I don't even know. (laughs)
2: <laughs> B&B Hotels Vital Concept do you remember it was going to be Kenyuk because K- uh, Kenyuk was right. going to sign as Pierre Roland's fixer right. do you remember that's that right. that's right a, a fixer get yeah, him, I didn't get him well. in the move get yeah. Roland in the move yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, very good and, and, and just and, and my last thing is Johan de Munch uh, won the Giro d'Italia in 78 and I think I said 76, so 76. yesterday so it's 78 well <laughs> he's not he's not actually I think yeah I think you might have misunderstood that I think there is a butcher <laughs> I think there is a butcher <laughs> called Johan de Munch <laughs>
1: in, oh, right. in
2: no, Avonpool's village. I don't think, unless I've got the story wrong, because I've just read it in Flemish and in Dutch, and I don't, I'm not necessarily the best at that. So maybe I've got it wrong. Maybe that is actually Johann de Monk.
1: But I think it's, it's highly possible of that generation of rider to then become a butcher. I think it's within the realms of possibility.
2: I, I, I don't. Doubt, I don't doubt it's possible. Okay, let's just. Do I tell research. you what. Let's. Ro- no. 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 Rather than research Neither. it and find out the actual answer, just leave it floating there as a possibility. Oh, no, it's a floater. It's a floating it's a fact. Flo- <laughs> 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 it's a floating fact. <laughs> <laughs> Never stress far falle. anchored in floating facts.